0: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by the Sensory Learning Center with host and mother of a recovering child with autism, Betsy Hicks. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Betsy and her guests illuminate how, right now, there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future through education and conversation. There is hope. Here's your host, Betsy Hits.
2: Welcome to the show, and we have a great topic that, of course, um, is something that I absolutely love, and that is the subject of diet. Today we're going to be talking about the gluten and casein-free diet with a little bit of a kind of beyond motif to it. My guest is one of my closest and best friends in the whole wide world. Her name is Susan Vess, and Susan is the president and the founder of Special Eats, which is a company created solely to assist others on the healthy path of embracing gluten and casein or dairy-free living. Um, Susan helps those with food allergies, celiac disease, and parents of children on the autism spectrum by teaching gluten and casein-free cooking classes, developing delicious recipes, and provides great instructions on meal planning. She's going to be joining us in just a short time, but in the meantime, I want to talk about her book. The book is called Special Eats. And it is, in my opinion, one of the greatest gluten and casein-free books ever written. Why do I like it so much? It's because it's just not a book of replacements. It's not a book where someone just found a regular chocolate chip cookie recipe and kind of modified it to make it gluten and casein-free. These are very, very innovative recipes. They are unique on their own. They you never feel. I think in the book, not, none of the recipes make me feel like I'm substituting. They make me feel like I'm creating something that's fantastic. And the story of meeting Susan um, is definitely a wonderful one because Susan lives about two hours from me. I'm in the state of Wisconsin, and she's in uh, Naperville, Illinois. And um, Ed Oranga, who is the president of Autism One, had arranged for us to be involved with some other women as well um, at the Autism One Conference and doing a cooking demonstration day. So I was very anxious to do this, and Susan and I worked very, very well together. And the following year, which was last Memorial Day, uh, when it came down to it, Susan and I were the main people presenting on the gluten and casein-free diet and we struck a very close friendship. We then decided to write a book together, which we're still in the process of doing, but we did uh, record a video that's going to be released In probably um, the end of May, just in time for the Autism One conference of this year, which is going to be cooking gluten and casein free foods of the summer. We're going to do one for each season. I'm very excited about these because they have fantastic recipes, great instructions, really good video footage. So I think people are really going to enjoy them. The going back to the book though. I think where Susan is just very very unique is she really does understand the biomedical piece involved with a lot of this but her 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 book is a flare of gourmet uh it's very um it's entrees, which is another part that kind of frustrates me in a lot of the different books that are out there. Is that you know you have your pancakes and your chocolate chip cookies, but this is this is actual meals that you're going to love, especially for doing parties. So we're going to be talking about parties as well um, today. Susan, are you there with me? I am. Oh, yay. I'm glad. It was quite it was quite an introduction, Susan. <laughs> I'm sorry you missed it all. You'll have to, to to listen to the archives and you'll realize just how much I love you. <laughs>
3: oh, thank you
2: um we We just started talking about the book, and um how much I love the book, which I've probably said five times by now, <laughs> but i I want to talk about um, a lot of the different parts of it, as I was just explaining to you is you do have a lot of the nutritional understanding, but the book is very gourmet but what i what I would like to touch on a little bit is the nutritional pieces now you're you're having which edition is about to come out this week?
3: The this is the fourth, fourth edition. edition.
2: The fourth edition of the book is going to be coming out, and there's been some major changes in the editions, correct?
3: Absolutely. About, well, the first, the first edition was 214 pages. The new one is almost 260. So, so we've added lots of new information, added information about soy, corn, diet rotation, just to mention a few.
2: Yeah, and it's funny, I have to tell you all because Susan, <laughs> Susan um, has been, its it's been a bit, a bit of a struggle, well, as it is with any book, you know, getting the editions out and getting down to your deadlines. <laughs> and about a month ago, um, I was going to see my sister-in-law who has just recently given up gluten, and I thought, you know, I'm going to bring her Susan's book because her new edition is going to come out. I'm going to want another one anyway. Well, for a month... I. <laughs> <laughs> I call Susan nearly every night because I'm like, okay, how do you make this again? How do you make this again, so she's very excited that her new book is coming out this week, so that I can uh stop stop hounding her about which recipe to do next. Um, <clears throat> Susan, let's talk about. Some of the foods, you know, when you, your first book came out, you did have a lot of soy um, and mild amounts of corn in there. What were your decisions, and why were your decisions to start removing it from your from the uh, recipes?
3: Well, I learned I learned how soy is so damaging, not just to those who have an intolerance to soy, but to everyone. The fact that soy is one of the top genetically modified foods, the fact that it's really. <laughs> An anti-nutrient that yeah. that when you eat soy, you don't absorb other good nutrients that we do need. Right. So I just decided that that I didn't want people hurting themselves further by using soy. Right. And what and what about corn? Well, and then corn is the second largest genetically modified crop, right. and and it just the more I learned, I I guess I'd like to start by saying. I'm constantly learning. Every day I'm trying to read new things and and learn how to best feed myself and everyone else. And corn, you know, as you know, feeds, feeds gut bacteria. It's a problem if you have any kind of yeast issue. So right. Right. it's not health food.
2: Right, I, and and I I do love that fact that we're always learning, and I think that that's something that we have to remember, um, you know, and, and not be critical of those who have not learned it yet, but rather instead of being critical, just trying to educate and teach them. You know, Susan, have you found that um, yourself? I mean, now you're you do have gluten intolerance. Yes. Um, you haven't been tested for celiac, but you you definitely have a gluten intolerance. And um, I know that dairy, whether you want to admit it or not... I know completely. I can't have dairy. <laughs> she knows, but every now and then she calls me and she'll be like, guess what I did? I ate dairy and I feel horrible. Why don't I ever learn? And then I'll call her the next week and do the same thing.
3: <laughs> I, I know that I have leaky gut because as a child I had rheumatic fever. I was put on a prophylactic penicillin program from the time I was eight till I was eighteen, with no probiotics, no yogurt, nothing, yes. sure. so I know right. that my stomach was a mess, and
2: right well, and we do, and then I think you know Susan and I t- really kind of together took on the venture of taking out of corn and soy as much from our diet as possible and i'm I'm anxious to see the new edition because i i, I don't know because I know a lot of a lot of your original recipes in the first edition did have soy. Did you replace things or did you just take them out of the recipe or are they just mildly in there? Um, what, what what's in the new edition?
3: A little bit of everything. what i I took soy out with the exception of a couple of Asian recipes. I made people aware that the soy was there in the Asian recipes and did say, You know, I I let them know that there is soy there, to use organic whenever possible. Mm -hmm. When you use an organic food, you know it's not genetically modified. So small amounts of fermented soy aren't bad. But if you replace dairy with a soy alternative Mm -hmm. on a daily basis, that's really where the damage comes in.
2: And you can really feel it. When you take it out and then you reintroduce it and you just see how much... um, it, uncomfortableness that it causes and, and all those pieces. So but, but then I, the other recipes, I just yeah.
3: to finish that, I did leave some corn in and again, I always recommended using organic. There's not very much. But for the most part, recipes that were heavy soy or corn, I did eliminate and I found healthy things that didn't have corn and soy.
2: And we appreciate that because... <laughs> As you develop all these great new recipes, my family just benefits more and more and more. <laughs> so um, a few things I want to talk um, on when it comes to not so much the recipes, but just some general knowledge that maybe the two of us together can share for the listeners. And I, one of the big questions that I get asked about all the time is oils. Now, we only have a couple of minutes till we're going to go to break, so we, we're going to have to make this kind of brief. But I do want to talk about the oils that you do like to use.
3: Okay, I love using coconut oil. I use expeller-pressed coconut oil for anything where I have a high heat, like fried chicken or even even a saute. I will use coconut oil. I like palm oil. Again, I want palm, organic palm oil that's not hydrogenated, and that's different than palm kernel oil, right. which is bad. I use olive oil in salad dressings. I make all my own salad dressings. And I do use grapeseed oil in small amounts.
2: And, and and I have to say that Susan turned me on to an olive oil company because the two of us are are true, um, true olive oil snobs when it comes <laughs> to having the absolute best olive oil that's out there and one an affordable option for this. I just I can't about this company high enough because i think they're affordable and i think they're just fantastic it's it's the oilery um, type olive oils and you can get their oils from it's the website is thespiceguy.com and he is in um is it fish Sister creek
3: is it sir no you're right it is it's fish <laughs> fish, fish creek wisconsin it's part of another Door great
2: County. wisconsin company and but he gets all of his oil oils are imported they are so tremendously fresh that, as you've talked about before, you used olive oil like butter, you know, whipped up with, with, you can whip it up with maple syrup, you can whip it up with, um, uh, well, you can, of course, whip up uh, coconut butter with maple syrup as well, and then uh, you whip the olive oil up with maybe some garlic, use it as a spread, but both of us really enjoy using a lot of olive oil. And, And olive oil, for the Live Right for Your Type diet, olive oil is one of the oils that every blood type does very well with.
3: The, the beauty of these oils are they have, in addition to just great-tasting, pure, imported, extra-virgin olive oil, they also have flavored oils like yes. Meyer lemon, porcini mushroom.
2: Oh, I love the mushroom. And,
3: yeah. and those are wonderful if you're making a gluten-free bread, even from a mix. right. To right. doctor it up a little bit by putting in a lemon oil or they have a blood orange oil or the porcini with some herbs. It just makes all the difference in the world.
2: I just did the other day. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll have Susan Vest talking more about dietary tips. We'll be right back.
0: a fresh look at today's health voice america health and wellness
4: we had a wonderful experience in our trip to the sensory learning institute and the main issue To sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies, and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves
5: me. The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light sound in motion by challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input this intervention often improves speech perception understanding social interaction coordinated movement and the ability to learn we invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com
1: omega institute is the country's leading center for holistic studies now you can experience selected workshops from omega in the comfort of your own home join us for a live web broadcast with john friend the founder of anasara yoga in this dynamic workshop we learn the hatha yoga system that is a celebration of the heart and looks for the good in all people and all things to find out more about our live web broadcast log on to our website www.eomega.org that's www.eomega.org or Call us at 800-944-1001. That's 800-944-1001.
6: To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, brain, and body on Voice America Health & Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose.
0: Your life, your health, your network.
1: You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866 472 Five seven nine two. Now back to the program, here's Betsy.
2: We are back here with Susan Vest talking about her fabulous book, Special Eats,
3: Mm -hmm. and her wonderful
2: business, which is um, the Special Eats. And and you can all visit her website. It's specialeats.com. Lots of information. um, And some of the nice things is you can get information about doing a diet consult with her. She does individual diet consults. For, for people and she can do them right over the phone and um, she's fantastic. So let's um, go back into our oil talk because we were cut short and we were leaving it about talking about olive oils and how, you know, you can mix these flavored ones into breads, which I just made in one with fresh garlic and herbs and um porcini um, uh, the porcini olive oil into a bread the other day that was just out, absolutely outstanding. Um, I, I love these oils and, and they also have some great vinegars as well too. Uh,
3: the vinegars are wonderful.
2: I don't think, I, I, I don't quite understand why people are so afraid of making their own salad dressing other than the fact that they're just not starting with good oil and vinegar. Can, one thing that I don't understand, I'm really kind of confused on myself, is um, a lot of the vinegars I know that are sold in the grocery stores are so tremendously, um, acidic. They actually, you know, they'll really hurt the mouth. Right. And, uh, I, I know even that the, I, I've heard recently that Italy is starting to sue some companies calling their, um, vinegars, um, Italian balsamics or things such as that when, you know, they're really just made in, in false and cheap conditions. Right. So what's, what's, how do you know how to pick out a good vinegar other than buying it with um, thespiceguy.com?
3: Well, you need to know the purveyor. You need to know who you're buying from. And and sometimes when you see these store brands that are private labeled, you have no idea who's really doing it. And and the thing that if you are gluten intolerant, you do want to avoid malt vinegar. That's the one that's that's bad for us. And if you don't know what ingredients are or who made this oil, you don't know who to call to double-check. So that, that's a concern. But some of the better Italian balsamics actually have the acidity written right on there. So you can see it's, you know, 4.0 or whatever it may be. So people know how acidic their, their vinegar is.
2: And how acidic do you want it?
3: You know, I can't, I can't really honestly answer you that I know how acidic is too acidic. I know that when they put the number down there, it's because they're touting the fact that it's good. Right. And right. when there's nothing there, they're not. Right. Um, okay, that makes sense. So, so it, it really varies. But, but let me just tell you a little bit more about making your own salad dressing, because right. I know why people get nervous about that. A good ratio, just to have a rule of thumb, is three parts oil to one part vinegar. So it's a three-to-one ratio. That would mean um, two-thirds of a cup of of oil and one-third of vinegar. That's three-to-one. And you start with vinegar and then any other seasonings, if you wanted to put a little Dijon mustard or some herbs or a little salt, you start whisking that and then you slowly add the oil that allows the oil and the vinegar to emulsify and thicken and actually become something that you can pour over your salad or, or however you want to use it.
2: And a lot of them, I'll tell you what we made last night, um, your carrot ginger
3: mm-hmm. um, salad mm-hmm.
2: dressing. Oh, man. I, you know, it, first off, it was health. To the extreme. I mean, what what went into that? It was fresh carrots, fresh garlic, fresh ginger, and a little sesame oil. Um, I used some of my good white balsamic, and um, and then some olive oil. And I mean, you could take that stuff like medicine. I mean, it's so it's so tremendously healthy. But oh, and I had some agave. I used some agave agave in it. And but. I mean, the kids just completely gobbled it up. I was eating it by the spoonful. I thought it was <laughs> so good. So, But but the point I want to make about that is you're talking about the whisking of it. As you did in this particular recipe, you put in everything, including the vinegar, except for the oil, and then once you whipped it up, you add the oil in, and it emulsified it on its own by doing it right in the blender, and you didn't have to
3: whisk well, anything. That was what I was just going to say. Another way to do it is to do it in a blender, and if you do it in the blender, it's not only going to emulsify it very quickly, it's also going to stabilize it a little better. So if you wanted to make a large amount of salad dressing, keep it in your refrigerator for a week or two, you could do it in the blender, and it's not going to to separate as quickly.
2: When, Susan, you've been diet counseling, doing diet counseling as long as I have, probably, um, but... You know, I, I think one of the things that we probably hear quite frequently is people say their kids will only eat salads if it has, like, ranch dressing on it or something yeah. like that. And we know that that's an absolute no-no, and we don't want to be replacing it with soy um cream or sour creams and things such as that because that's not a really healthy alternative either. But um, truly, if, if you can make these batches of these really healthy salad dressings and you're using solid ingredients, I think that's something that Susan and I both really preach a lot is that when you use fresh, fresh and good ingredients, you get 20 times as much flavor and you don't get the picky eater, this, the picky eater syndrome from the children as much because they taste taste so good.
3: That's right. I mean, I think it's true with with all of us, whether it's a picky child or a picky adult, we really just want good tasting food. Yeah. And once we realize that we can do that by eating the right foods and learn how to combine things to mix it up well then then everybody's going to eat healthy, you know? We all benefit from good tasting food.
2: Or, organic food makes it my my uh my daughter, who I have passed on the the food snob <laughs> to, mm-hmm. and my older daughter, and she'll say at school they have these vegetable bars. You know they preach how great it is because they have fresh vegetables cut up for the kids every day, but she says they're so <laughs> disgusting. I mean, everything was it wasn't nothing was ever ripened on the vine. at all like right. it's, it's like green bananas that turn brown from bre- green to, directly to brown. Right. And, and she's like, she, she says, no wonder. Kids won't don't like say they don't like fruits and vegetables. They don't know what good ones really taste like. And if you're in an area, and let me tell you, I am not. I mean, Susan lives right by a Whole Foods, and she's in she's in a great place to get healthy foods. But I am far away from it all. Um, there there are creative ways of which you can do it. I mean, to me, it's just become a ritual now. I, I travel an hour to go to um, a grocery store, and it's. You know, a good grocery store I'm going to get lots of vegetables, and it's worth it to me um, because it's it, – and the kids have really started to enjoy it as well, too, helping me pick things out. Um, I want to talk next about spices Okay. because we're talking about putting together salad dressings and, of course, one really great, easy way to take a um, an oil and vinegar and throw some pizzazz and fun flavor into it. Um, I know Penzi's makes some great salad – Herbs that I can sometimes throw into my oil and vinegar to really give some fun flavor to the dressing. Um, But let's talk about
3: Penzies for a while. Well, Penzies and they have they have storefronts. They also have a great website, and that is p e n z e y s dot com. Penzies knows which spices are gluten free and which which aren't, which I think is is crucial because. Most individual spices are gluten-free, but whenever there's a spice blend, there's the potential for contamination if they used a starch to keep the uh, spice from clumping and keep things free-flowing. So so that's a concern. But Penzeys is very good. They know which ones are and which ones aren't. For example, Coleman's mustard powder is contaminated with gluten because they use a wheat starch to keep it free flowing. At least that was true the last time I checked. However, Penze's mustard powder does not. So I just make sure that when I'm doing that I use it. But talking more about how to change herbs or how herbs can change the uh, the flavor. You can take your basic vinaigrette with, you know, oil and vinegar and if you wanted something to have an Asian flair, you could add Asian spices like the five spice blend or a little um um sesame oil added to that really perks up that flavor without getting any soy in there and you get that nice flavor of an Asian flavor. You can also add if you wanted something to be Italian, you can add a combination of thyme and and, um, and, all,
2: and oregano and,
3: oregano and marjoram marjoram is, is great this time of year you know spring is certainly in the air today and fresh herbs are wonderful fresh basil there's nothing that beats fresh basil on a salad yeah, it um, is just
2: the greatest i just started my herb garden yesterday and i'm loving it I, inside though just so you know yeah <laughs> i was going to say we still have snow on the ground here in wisconsin
3: in Chicago it's 72 degrees today. Oh
2: man. Well, of course, it's going
3: to be snowing by the weekend so, you know, it's the Midwest.
2: Enjoy the day. Yeah. Seize the moment. Um, okay. So so we Susan, you and I both believe very strongly in the use of spices, and I think people get very, very overwhelmed. You know, you're, you are a chef, and you know how to blend your spices, and you know exactly what goes where, and I'm kind of in the middle. I, I like to buy pre-made blends, but I also like to play around with my own individuals ones occasionally, too. Um, and I think as my children get older, I'll probably add to my creativity, but these days I just like to grab something, sprinkle, and go. Using fresh herbs is is a great, great thing to do, but for time savers, there are some wonderful blends, as as Susan was saying about, you know, there's the Asian blends and that, but I like even things simple like the lamb seasoning or, um, you know, the Indian spice or things like that because all you need to do is just, if you have like a, a tray of chicken breast, all you really, really need is I put a little salad dressing on my chicken breast, a little oil and vinegar, but then I also will throw on some, so- some seasoning, whatever the, the spices that I want for the day. And, I mean, people are trying to buy their things from, um, what am I, you know, so, you know, they're trying to buy everything pre-made and pre-done. Right. But sprinkling on a spice is not a hard thing to do. And
3: Another great blend that, um, is Herbes de Provence. Oh, yes. It's one of my favorites. You can sprinkle it on chicken. You can sprinkle it on vegetables, on fish, really. In rice. In rice. It, it's a mixture. It's, it's a weird-sounding mixture. It has basil, fennel, lavender, marjoram, rosemary, sage, sav- savory, and thyme. And it's very Mediterranean. I mean, it is a French herb, but, but adding that with a squeeze of lemon juice to a chicken breast my husband thinks he's got this gourmet meal, and I want him to keep thinking that. I don't want to tell him it took me two minutes to do it.
2: <laughs> and same thing, you know, making making things like roast are the same type of ways. I mean, you can just quickly, I like to take, a, I think roasts are the one place where I really like to use my fresh ingredients, where I take just little snips and, and throw them all in all of my from my herb garden. I don't want people to think that they have to have a gourmet mind to be able to cook these foods in your recipe. I think your recipes are very step by step; they're very easy to follow. There's not an overabundance of of ingredients. Right. You you know really put most of your time into um, the fresh the freshness of it. We are going to have to take another break here um, in just a moment. Um, when we get back, let's talk a little bit about. Um, Flowers and flower blends. And then I also want to help those people who may be thinking of going egg free or in the necessity of being egg free and how they can create those substitutes. We'll be right back with Susan Vess.
0: Opinions, Options, Answers. Voice America Health and Wellness.
4: We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute, and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies and we brought home a child who was vastly different we brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves
5: me the goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory and vestibular systems with light sound in motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. The true meaning of your dreams doesn't have to be a
1: mystery. Join host Bob Haas, author and pioneer in dream science, to understand what your dreams mean and how they impact your daily life. Bob and his panel of experts from the International Association for the Study of Dreams will provide facts about dreams and discuss techniques of translating your own dreams and how you can use them for your mental and physical well being. Dreamtime will further explore the research and science of dreaming and deliver a powerful comprehension of the function of dreaming. Listen live to Dreamtime with Bob Haas every Wednesday. 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network and discover the science behind your dreams. Again, that's every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Good health is more than good medicine. Good health starts with good nutrition. On Designer Health with certified nutritionist, author, and host, Carol Simontachi, get back on the health track. Carol provides expert advice as your mom, your nutritionist, and your health coach. From eating your vegetables, the hows and whys of good food and meal preparation, to insight into nutritional supplements and tips to progress on the road to wellness. Designer Health with Carol Simontachi broadcast each Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health & Wellness. Wellness channel designer health achieve your personal health goals one step at a time
0: opinions options answers you're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness
1: Welcome back to autism 1 a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks if you have a question or comment call us toll-free at 866 5792 Now back to the program here's Betsy
2: back we're here with Susan Vest and giving you all kinds of fun little cooking tips that Susan and I have both worked with. Susan is the, the queen of the cooking tips and um in finishing up talking about spices, are there any other spices you want to mention?
3: I just or wanted herbs, to mention I should say one more spice and herb and it is dill. Dill weed. There, dill comes in, in either dill weed or dill seed. And dill weed is a green leafy, it's just as good dried, I think, as it is fresh. I mean, fresh is always wonderful, but what I love about dill is it tastes buttery. So when we're eliminating butter from our diets, by adding dill to potatoes, to rice, to vegetables, it really gives it a buttery flavor. It's great in eggs, if you can have eggs. Anything that that um, that you would want that buttery flavor. Dill is just wonderful for that. And, and in my cookbook, I have a section that does describe all the herbs, how to use them, what they taste like, be, because people ask me about herbs all the time, so there is a whole section on herbs there.
2: I, I have to say from a health perspective, spices and herbs are extremely good for us. Um, now, I know there are some children with salicylate problems that may have a hard time with certain spices, some of the reddish or dark brownish spices, some of the children can have a hard time with. But for the most part, um, you, you know, that sh- hopefully that's a temporary thing because the spices are fantastic for our immune system. Things like cumin and cinnamon are great for your immune system. The really hot spices, the chili peppers, are excellent for our detox because they make us sweat and they make us kind of, push things out right. and they are great um, herbs to use and as uh, spices to use and then the herbs like the dill and the, and the thyme, these are all wonderful antivirals, antibacterials, great things to use on a daily basis. If you can get on that habit, you'll make a big change in your health and that's why the fresh ones are definitely the best to use. Okay, let's move on to flower blends. Um, flower blends, as is, is you is you have in your book, you talk about using a flour blend, and can you explain why you just can't substitute um, just plain rice flour and why you need an actual flour blend?
3: Well, most most of the cooking that you do with a gluten-free flour requires more body to it. There, there are some exceptions to that where from time to time I will use a plain rice flour, but for almost all baking I want that dimension and mixture of flours that... Each flower has a different property. Some, some are are in there for flavor. Some are in there for protein. They're, they they have different properties. A very excellent book for understanding the property and how to use each individual flower is a book by Carol Fenster called "Cooking Free." She really gives a good explanation of each each flower and its properties. Um, another so. So I will continue with the flour blends. I love Authentic Foods Flour Blend. It's called Multi-Blend Gluten-Free Flour. It's a mixture of flours, and if you want that recipe, the recipe is found in Karen Robertson's Cooking Gluten-Free. She has the ingredients there, and one of the ingredients in this flour blend is cornstarch. So the advantage of buying this book other than she has some great recipes in there as well, is you get this flour blend recipe and you can make your own, get rid of the cornstarch, substitute arrowroot, and then you have a wonderful, wonderful flour that you can use for anything. The beauty yeah. I just want to say one more thing. The beauty yeah. of Authentic Foods is in their blend is that it already has xanthan gum mixed in it. Mm-hmm. And we need xanthan gum to replace the gluten to help it stick together. When we're using it for, for baking and for cooking most things. You don't always want that flour blend. For example, if you're dusting chicken with flour or, or making fried chicken, you don't want xanthan gum because the xanthan gum will give it a gummy, gummy sort of texture. So there are times when we do want to use a blend with, with xanthan gum and there's times we do not.
2: So xanthan gum and guar gum, are they relatively interchangeable completely? Absolutely. Okay, and, and xanthan gum is derived from corn, where guar gum is not. So if there is a corn sensitivity, xanthan gum... Now, even my son, though, who has extreme corn sensitivities, usually does okay on small amounts of xanthan gum. And and when you look at the ratio of how much xanthan gum they put in those flour blends, it's right. very, very small.
3: It is very small. And, and guar gum can also have a laxative effect if you have too much of it. So... Right. sort of a balance between the two.
2: To have small amounts for that, that's that's all very important to know. Um, let's talk a little bit about egg replacers. Okay. And uh, I, I wish that so many of the kids that I work with could have eggs because they are so healthy when you do organic eggs, but uh, so many people can't, and I've had to get great at egg-free recipes simply because my son has never been able to handle any egg, including duck eggs or goose eggs, or we've even tried an emu egg once, um, but <laughs> they, it's just, just not going to cut it. So one of the recipes that you do and that actually we talked about doing is um, using with flax seeds, and we both made it in different ways, and I think I think really it would work either way, and you, can you explain what that recipe is.
3: Well, I use whole flax seeds. And flax seeds are highly perishable. So I keep my whole seeds in the freezer. I take out what I need, a couple of tablespoons, or actually, I believe the the um, it's one tablespoon of flax seeds and three tablespoons water yes. equals one egg. But I usually make more than one egg at a time. Right. And I put the whole seed at the bottom of my blender and I pour boiling water on top and then turn the blender on. And It grinds the seeds, and it becomes this gelatinous, very slimy, egg-like substance that works great for replacing eggs. However, another thing that I will do in a recipe just to give it a little bit more, more lift, because eggs are used for a couple of things. They're used either as a binder. They're used as a leavener. They're used to soften something to give it some moisture. So when you take this... The, the flax substitute, if you can replace some of the liquid in the recipe with bubbly water, club soda, or whatever you want and to And there use. is
2: a difference in the club, seltzer and club soda. Club soda is going to give you more bubble than a right. seltzer typically is.
3: That's right. So so using the the, um, the club soda, it's going to give you more bubble, and that gives you a little bit more lift right. to whatever it is that you're making and keeps it from... Cause because when you do make an egg-free recipe, it is going to be a little denser. Right. Whatever you can do to help that is important.
2: The other thing that eggs contribute is a little bit of fat. And if, if, if you're making something like a pancake and you're already putting in oil, that's fine. But if the eggs were the only so- source of fat, you may need to use just a couple drops of some sort of an oil to help add a little bit of the fat to it to give it a, um, a, a little bit less dry of a taste.
3: And, and that, that's where I like to use grapeseed oil mm-hmm. because grapeseed is, is very mild. It doesn't have a flavor and it's not going to change either a sweet or a savory dish. Right, right.
2: That's very important. Um, other than that, I would say the other way to do an egg replacer, and, and this tends to work out to me better on things like cakes. I. Um, the, the flax recipe works very well for me with pancakes or muffins, but if I'm making a really tall cake and I don't want the bits of the flax in there, um, I like to just double the baking powder, the uh, quantity of baking powder, and then use the, the club soda.
3: Yes, And that's great I thing.
2: usually can get a decent enough lift um, from that. There's enough oil in cakes, that usually you don't have that dryness that you would have, with, you know, in a pancake. Um, mm-hmm. So, so that does tend to work with just the baking powder and the club soda, um, and then you don't have to, to look at flax bits.
3: Right. <laughs> um,
2: the other thing that you can use is pureed uh, fruits. Uh, they make an it's called an egg replacer that they sell at some health food stores, which is, I think, pretty much a puree of plums. Yes. Is that what's in that one? It really
3: is. And and um, and um actually, I have been known to use a baby food, a nice organic baby sure. food pureed fruit in place of buying. Because I, if you buy that big jar of fruit and you're not going to use it all, yeah. right. it, it may not hold up. So I've bought baby food pureed plums or even apricots. Or apples; those are those are good things for um, giving you the moisture.
2: Yes, yes, that's a great thing. I, I use apricots quite a bit for that, as we have an apricot tree here. So I puree them and and can them in my little Susie Homemaker <laughs>
3: days. <laughs> in, in your going, spare time, my
2: spare time, <laughs> which is uh, not a lot of. Um, we we have we have a little bit before we have to go to break. What I want to be able to close with today is talking about. Um, some ideas for holding parties and, and what you do because let me tell you people it's good to be friends with Susan Vest because <laughs> she can throw a party. <laughs> I love to cook. And I, I just wish I lived closer so she could cook for me more often. But man she can she throw a party. And everybody eats gluten and dairy free at her parties. So we're gonna talk a little bit about about parties and then a little bit about meal planning before we have to sign off for the day. We'll be right back with Susan Vest.
0: Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness.
4: We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute. And the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper- who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies, and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me.
5: The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to Multi-sensory input. This intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com.
1: Omega Institute is the country's leading center for holistic studies. Now you can experience selected workshops from Omega in the comfort of your own home. Join us for a live web broadcast with John Friend, the founder of Anasara Yoga. In this dynamic workshop, he learned a Hatha yoga system that is a celebration of the heart and looks for the good in all people and all things. To find out more about our live web broadcast, log on to our website www.eomega.org That's www.eomega.org Or call Call us at 800-944-1001. That's
6: 800-944-1001. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, brain, and body on Voice America Health & Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose.
0: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to
1: Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here's Betsy.
2: We are back with Susan Vest talking about her great uh, culinary advice and her fourth edition of her book Special Eats, which is just coming out today. Susan has a lot of things to do besides be here on the phone with me right now, so (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna close this up today and talking about a few things. But once again, if you want to get her um, cookbook, you can get you can get it at specialeats.com. Susan, my friend who is the greatest party planner I know, tell me about how you give parties for people who are not on gluten and casein-free diets.
3: Well, I happen to be giving one this weekend, and I think that I'm the only one that has food intolerances. That oh, they, they all have
2: food intolerances. I was going to they say, say that, that they it. know
3: of, that <laughs> they know of. But everyone will be eating gluten and dairy-free and soy and corn-free. Um, but but what I just try to do is get a variety of interesting foods, you know, to, to think... You know, we got in that chip-and-dip mentality for so long, you know, that we got those those GMO corn chips out and some bad things. And now there are so many great things that you can use. I mean, obviously, I love to have lots of fresh vegetables and fruits in season, buying, you know, organic as possible. I love having kebabs, whether it's grilled fruit or grilled Meat, anything on a stick is fun at a party so that you can have that to easily pick up and eat. You can use portobello mushrooms to stuff them with great things. You can stuff cherry tomatoes, little bitty, um, those waxy new potatoes are great stuffed with other ingredients. Um, hummus is a wonderful and, and healthy dip to use. Baba ganoush, which is an eggplant um, sort of puree that you can actually make either with eggplant or zucchini, but there's just tons of things that you can do for, crab, to make it interesting.
2: The crab cake recipe that's in your book is so <laughs> spectacular, and the, and
3: I, they're they're roasted and not fried, so they're they're actually particularly healthy. Um, every, it's so funny that everyone loves that recipe. I get lots of comments on it. I,
2: I do, and I and I mean it, it. This is what I was explaining at the very very beginning. You, her recipes are not replacement recipes. They are recipes. They are all beautiful and complete in their own they don't there's nobody feels like they're being cheated by something like this
3: right and and that's the thing that that so often we dwell on what we can't have instead of recognizing the abundance of what we can have right even if you're giving up gluten dairy eggs soy corn there's still a million things that are healthier and better for us that that are great to include in our diet and and a very important thing is planning our meals so that we do include a variety of protein, carbs, and fat every time we eat. We don't want to ever just eat a plain carb or a plain protein without balancing it with some healthy uh, counterparts.
2: Right, right, and, that, and it makes it easy to do that. Um, meal planning, as we this is one of your favorite subjects and something that you're fabulous at teaching people how to do and something that I've also preached for a long time because I feel that um, it's, I don't think cooking is hard I think planning is hard um, I, th- I think that if you can get through the stress of meal planning and, and be really prepared and make it so that you're not having to do it every single day um, that shopping and cooking both become very easy
3: it, the, planning is the key if you have a meal plan it 's like you wouldn 't drive across the country without a map of where you 're going. What makes us think that we can navigate the grocery store without knowing what we 're buying? We just buy on whims, we buy the wrong things so i I like to have a meal plan that includes breakfast, lunch, and dinner so that I know what i 'm going to eat i don 't i don 't get so. So detail focused that I have to have what I put down on on Tuesday. You know, maybe I don't feel like eating that till Thursday. But I shop for what's on my meal plan for the week. That way I don't overspend. I can plan out any special ingredients that might have to be ordered on the internet, and and I'm ready to go. But I always plan for a balanced protein, carbs, fat, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks.
2: So give me some tips as to to um, grocery shopping?
3: Again, I have a pre-printed sheet that I, that I use, and if anybody is interested, they can email me, and you can do that from my website, and I'll send you that form. I keep it broke down so that, that I know on my list that I make out, I have it, it broke down by produce and, and meats and, and shelf-stable things. Um, if you plan your meal, you're going to know exactly what you need, you're also going to know if there, if you don't have something, so that you can do that advanced shopping and, and ordering if need be. Um, did that answer your question?
2: No, it it did. I mean, as far as the, the shopping, because I think I think you know the meal plan is big, but I'm just curious about you know you, you shop you shopped off you sh- do shop often, which is unlike me because I I have no time. I, I mean, I can only get to a store once a uh, you know if I'm lucky once a week. I know, um, which does make it difficult. But I do go to the farmers market. I mean, do you do you personally buy like some things in bulk and then other things that you buy fresh on a daily basis, or how do you I, how do you plan for that?
3: I I plan for it, but I do a little bit of both. You know, if I happen to go, I did happen to go to the grocery store. They had these great little slender green beans, and but I had to buy three pounds of them, and so I bought them and. Certainly, having these these green beans, I added them into some soups and stews that I was making, but I can also blanch them and freeze them and know that they 're good quality ingredients so if I do see something that 's wonderful, I do always buy that but um i also I love cooking it once, eating it twice so so I cook more than than I can eat in one meal that my family can eat in one meal, and keep things frozen in then Packages that are that are just the right portion size, right,
2: right, yeah. That, that's that's something that's a lot of people aren't as familiar with doing is, is to how to do that. Now I'll tell you what I do because I um, having three children and then my husband and I we typically I make every night for dinner. It's a double recipe, but then we use leftovers for breakfast and lunch the following day. That's right. Um, I. I, we're not, I, I my family isn't big on leftovers, so I don't typically do two dinners two nights in a row. But I do like to have that breakfast or lunch. The next day, people need to think that breakfast can be chicken and, and bok choy. I mean, that's what my daughter had for dinner, lunch for breakfast the other day. She had chicken and bok choy for breakfast. I mean, she loved it. Yeah. And if we can start thinking that breakfast is a time when we can get vegetables into our children, especially, it just sets everything for the day and this their pH, their metabolism, it's just such right. a great way to get that in them in the morning. Um, I would rather have them doing, you know, more breakfasty foods for desserts than anything else because that's really what they come down to is they're usually just carbohydrates and right. very sugary and not appropriate for a breakfast
3: time. The, you know the other thing, if you make a roast and you have some leftover leftover beef or chicken, whatever it is, you can freeze just the meat so that you can add that to something later. You could make a stir-fried rice, adding in some chicken or some beef, or you can make soups. Like, I I, I love to make my own stock, and then I freeze it in three or four-cup portions. So if I want to make a quick soup, I've got homemade stock. Now I've got some chicken I can throw in there, whatever vegetables are left over. So, A little advanced planning really goes a long way in making sure you always have a great nutritious meal on hand.
2: Susan's recipe for stock is excellent. It's in her book. Um, and, and I have to say what I typically do to save money is I buy organic chickens, and I buy them directly from the farmer because we live in Wisconsin, and we have that lo- wonderful ability to be able to find a lot of good organic farmers out here. I buy I buy my, be- my beef and my lamb and my chicken all in bulk. And this way I always have it nearby and never run out, which is the other nice thing. But when it comes to my chickens, because of the way you have to buy them from the farmer as whole, Um, I make a ton of stock because I take my whole chicken, I cut off the meat myself, and then I have tons of bones that I can make lots of stock with. Having stock on hand all the time is not a hard thing to do. I've even got my husband trained (laughs) now how to put it together, which is great because, you know, I'm busy on dinner. He's... Immediately proceeding to the stock, and yeah. then I use the stock for my rices and for any time I need to have some sort of a gravy or something, I can just pull out the stock and it makes it really easy. I think what we're trying, Susan and I are trying to tell you is that gourmet can come very, very simply when you have the things on board. And I don't feel that I spend an overabundant amount of time in my kitchen at all. Um, it's just really kind of getting into the patterns of those types of things, buying those buying meat in bulk is one of the greatest things for meal planning because at least you always have that main course together.
3: Yes, and and you have taught me that, Betsy. I do have a full freezer full of great <laughs> lamb and chicken and you beef because of that. You need to buy a dust
2: freezer. That's your that's your next step. Huh. I'm just not happy unless I have about a
3: 200 pounds of meat in my freezer. <laughs> I do love to have that full and I know that I can pull something out at any time.
2: God forbid the electricity ever goes out of my household because <laughs>
3: We just have to start cooking. We're going to the have a big party. barbecue
2: party if that ever happens. That's right. I, I really I worry about that every summer. Winter I don't have to worry because I just have to open up the garage and everything will be fine. Yep. We have to close now, Susan. I want to thank you because, uh, as always, you're a fabulous person to talk to, and I am grateful for the service you give to so many people, as well as my friendship, which I appreciate very much as well. Um, to get Susan's new book, go to Special Eats. Dot com. Once again, this is a revised version of her original book, but so much has been added that if you have the original, you're going to want to sure to pick up this new copy as well. Website, specialeats.com. Susan, thank you so much again for being on the show.
3: Thank you, Betsy. I enjoyed Enjoy.
2: it. Get out there and start <laughs> and start delivering those books. I know you have a lot of deliveries to make today. Yes, I do. <laughs> okay, take care. Bye-bye.
3: Bye-bye.
1: the Sensory Learning Center would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, A Conversation of Hope. To contact Betsy or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, A Conversation of Hope with Betsy Hicks.